everybody, and welcome to a off-season edition of the Winging It F1 podcast. Uh, I'm Freddie. I'm here to lead the episode today, and I'm joined by uh, my friend and co-host Adam. And we're going to talk to you about a few little bits of F1 news, a few little um, sort of silly season things that are slotting into and slotting out of place. Um, we will have a season review kind of thing coming up later on, where we've got Nigel back in the fold. Um, we've kicked him out for today. We think he's gone to kind of mourn by going to buy some fish and chips in Whitby for some reason. Um, but, you know, the miracle life of Nigel can be touched upon in the future. Um, but we just got Adam and I here to grind to talk about a few little bits of news. Like I said, Adam, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, I've been, yeah, enjoying watching the World Cup over the last two mm. weeks, I think it is now. Um, I missed my first games yesterday, which was a shame, but streak had to come to an end at some point. Um, but yeah, no, I've been enjoying that and just having football on every day. I don't feel like I've been missing F1 too much. Obviously, there's kind of been bits of news that have come out, as always happens in the few weeks after a season ends. But I don't kind of feel, um, yeah, I don't feel kind of a, a yearning, for it yet um and yeah just kind of i'm quite happy nearly christmas so that'll be nice i like christmas it's good brilliant i'm very happy for you <laughs> <laughs> um do you know who also likes christmas daniel ricardo Segway. um not a good segue um but he's got for an early christmas present this year a not red bull drive red bull role where he's not even a sim not even a third reserve driver he's a development simulator ambassador boy and it's not really a good role let's be honest all he does is is take on the pr workload that uh max verstappen and checo perez can't really do um which is a shrewd thing for red bull to get but you know it's, it's just a role for ricardo isn't it yeah yeah it's uh it's like a spring role but Maybe better or maybe worse, depending on if you like Chinese food. Um, yeah, I think that I could have gone with a lot of roles there, but, um, you know, went a bit left field, especially seeing it is winter, not spring. Um, so, yeah, I, I think um seems to be a lot of people who've come at this with seeing it as a rebel master plan to replace uh, Perez with Ricardo in 2024. Um, and I think, I don't want to put words in Nigel's mouth, but I think he said that he could buy into that or he could see that happening. Um so, no, surely he doesn't. He, That's yeah, the most unnigel opinion ever, though. Surely. Yeah, I think on our one of our many um, yeah Slack conversations, um, then yeah, I think he, I think he kind of said he can believe that. Or, um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. What I think it's, it's obviously not as good as a official reserve driver role. Um, so I don't know what was kind of being mooted at Mercedes, which seemed to be a big other option about whether it would have been the same thing or whether it would have been a bit more um, traditional third driver um, there. But yeah, I think it's obviously good in the sense that he'll stay in the F1 world. He'll be able to stay in the F1 paddock if he so chooses. And, um, you know, I, I when me and Nigel spoke about this, I think I said that I thought he should. I, I was surprised he didn't fight a bit harder to stay in a seat in F1 um, and I feel like you know taking a year out should never be your kind of top option and it felt like that's what it was for Ricardo. but you know I don't think it will kind of I think I think he's kind of the new Hulkenberg in a way in just you know he's the most experienced driver and really the only um, driver with multiple seasons under his belt um, apart from Giovinazzi um, or over three yeah over two or three seasons um, 
and his belt that's out there. So I think he'll kind of be, you know, in a, in six months' time, he'll probably be the one that's being linked to every seat that could possibly be available. But I don't, I think at Red Bull, there's not, to me, there's not a progression there, um, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I, I think it is very much a, a heart move where he wants to stay in F1, but also wants to stay in F1, doesn't want to be at the back, which, you know, is fine. That makes sense. Um and it's just a, it's just one of those things which just kind of worked so hard to get to F one. Just now that F one spat him out, he's clinging on with his fingertips, and I I think it is a great move for Red Bull. They get a few, they get some great content out of it. But he's that he's he's an actor now. He's a he's a character for Red Bull, not a driver. And yeah, he was very yeah. good when he was a Red Bull driver, but now and and that's just all Daniel Ricciardo is now, and and it's it's really unfortunate. But um, I think crucially, it is a thing. It wasn't really his choice in the end between Red Bull and Mercedes for a third driver role. Mercedes talks stalled, and Red Bull's talks progressed, and that's just how it ended up. It just didn't play out with Mercedes in the end, um, with sort of consecutive concurrent talks and. Has have been quite open on the fact that they kind of thought, well, to be honest, looking at his performances this year, even if he did give us a call, and even if he wasn't so sort of elusive, we probably would have just looked at him and kind of thought, are we entirely convinced by Daniel Ricciardo now? And um, that's a very legitimate and probably correct opinion to have, I think. Um, when you look at the fact that he probably realistically is the reason that McLaren lost the lost P4 and the constructors um, to Alpine, then. You know he's not worth what he is to a team, so I think he's taking what he can get, and it's something. But I think he needs to kind of get out there and do a bit of racing because you know he's going to be, he's going to be, he's not, he's a good brave face man. I I I, I wouldn't want to be in his position. If I were a racing driver, you look at them all, all of them, they go, well, it's the most boring job in the world being a reserve driver. No wonder Nick DeVries and Robert Kubica go and drive so many other things when they're um, reserve drivers. Um, because it's better than standing and having yeah, coffee. I, I see what you mean. I think, um, I, I don't know. I can still kind of see, I think the... Just having that link to F1 and being still at the forefront of people's minds is still, I think, quite valuable. And, you know, being in Rebel, being able to, you know, have some, have that kind of access to a simulator, potentially access to um, free practice sessions, which, you know, they would, every team is giving them away at the end of uh, this season. So I feel yeah, like... Yeah, but he's, he's not done only two Grand Prix, so he wouldn't count towards that quota. No, but, um, you know, neither Giovinazzi. For example, um, so I think, yeah, I, I you know, f- fundamentally, if it's a practice session at the end of the season, I think there's not that much demand from, um, and I think we saw that with the, um, the this season from the grid, and um, they've done. That I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's Red Bull style that they didn't do it with Albon, um, and Giovinazzi only did it because Ferrari asked has to, and things like that. So it, I, I don't think he'll get a pra- if he gets a practice session next year, then. That would be a really odd move, from in my opinion, and because okay. I think the only surprised. I, yeah, I, I think the only reason Liam Lawson was in the Red Bull at point and Yuri Vips at points this year was because it was mandated by regulation. It, it's not anything to do with 
that with teams being kind. Um, sorry, I interrupted your point. No, no, it's fine. I think, um, and yeah, just kind of more, uh, yeah, more more generally, I just think, um, you know, being being around the, as I say, I think being in the seat, I think Williams is actually the one that I'm surprised. It sounds like he didn't really push for at all. Um, they, you know, could well have gone with Logan Sargent anyway, but I do, I, I feel optimistic for him, um, really. The, as time passes, then the kind of memories of how bad this season was will fade and the memories of that will kind of become absorbed into how good he was at Red Bull and Renault before that. So I, I feel optimistic that we will see him back in a full-time F-Rom role at some point in the next couple of years. I don't think that'll be with Red Bull, but yeah, I think it's kind of, obviously now it's extremely fresh and he probably you know might well need a break. But I think as it goes on, as I said, he is, you know, the most experienced head out there on the free market mm. or as a free agent at the moment. And that will count for more and more as the memory of the McLaren awfulness fades. So, yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of Daniel Ricciardo in F1. I, 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 some bit of me looks at it and thinks that the McLaren awfulness is too big of an, um, a, a black mark against his name now for it to fade and to grant him a second chance for me, in my opinion. Um, I do think you're right. He's the best person to call on for a reserve driver next year. Um, but I think the way, the manner in which he's left Formula One hasn't been like, oh, they just missed out on a seat due to the merry-go-round, um, which you can look at with people like Hulkenberg and things like that. He missed out he lost his seat because he was sacked because he wasn't performing and was replaced by and has been replaced by a rookie because of that it's to me that's too negative really for a team in the i, I don't know i, 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 I really don't know i think the fact that it was one team um and mclaren you know it's not kind of it's, it's not experience that he's had over multiple teams or in multiple different setups, really. Um, no. That, that's kind no. of where I think teams, it, you know, you, you can easily make those excuses. And I think, you know, if you're, you can build around, you know, I think teams will think themselves around those reasons. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think there will be, you know, that kind of, yes, it will count against him, but. The fact that it was McLaren, we've talked about on this podcast several times, how, you know, the McLaren is a strange car and science is really the outlier in someone coming from outside the system and doing well there. But um, we'll see how Piastri does as well, because that could kind of influence how Ricardo seemed weirdly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah I, I just think teams will be able to, you know, make excuses in their heads or, you know, they'll be able to kind of build themselves out of that. I wish I was as optimistic. Um, but... <laughs> Rather than going around in circles on that, yeah, um, I think it's just a case, really, to 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 sort of wish him best with that, and to move on to other news about someone who might also not have a second chance somewhere else because of the way things happen, is that Massimo Bonotto has left Ferrari. Uh, it's officially a resignation, whether he jumped before he could be pushed or whether he was pushed we don't know but these things tend to be a sort of mixture of the two um and what are you what are your thoughts on this adam because 
it can be seen in many lives, but do you think it's just another head in the Ferrari chopping block or do you think it's the right move for Ferrari? Uh, yeah, I think firstly, I buy into um, the thought that he was pushed to jump, really. I think it was, uh, you know, I can't I can't really see him um, wanting to have given that up unless there was absolutely no choice. And I think he did... He did seem committed to even you know even though the season had been difficult, he did seem really committed to building for next season and having a better next season with Ferrari. So I kind of I I don't think he will have been wanting to step away from that unless he absolutely had to and was told that he would be fired or or could resign. So that's kind of my two cents on that. But yeah, in the wider sense, I I think it would have been ideal for him to go back into a technical role. With Ferrari, as I think everyone does, or most people, you know, with um, who've weighed in on this, um, but it's just not politically possible. I don't think that was never on the cards. It's not, you know, it, especially at Ferrari. At most teams, probably not. But um, yeah, it, I, I don't think that was ever there. That would have been the ideal scenario for both team and Binotto. Really, I'm not a massive fan of it. I think the work he's done to get Ferrari to where they're at, because you know we're. In Spa, Leclerc said that uh, the Belgian Grand Prix this season was where he gave up and he realised that he wasn't winning the championship. Um, but if you compare that Spa two years ago, um, you know, that was the absolute nadir of Ferrari's season. And they, I think they finished you know, something like 15. Ferrari's 15. Ferrari. <laughs> um, and they, yeah, they were just awful. They were getting passed by everyone on the straights. And that, you know, for Binotto to have come back from a season where, um, they were just not at the races at all. They were really uncompetitive. They just didn't have, the, you know, it, it was it was worse than Mercedes season this year by a long stretch. And I think maybe people are forgetting how bad it was. And for Binotto to have brought them back from that to where they were capable, we thought they were capable of challenging for the title at the start of the season, being capable of winning races and challenging regularly at the front for race wins is really impressive. And I think that's not maybe been given enough credit and, Yes, you need to have an experienced head um, or, you know, a, a tactical head there who can make the right decisions in the heat of battle. But you've also got to be battling at the front in the first place. And I think maybe, you know, there's that. I, I think there's maybe a undervaluing of what Binotto brought to get Ferrari into the battle at the front, even if he can win it. Yeah, I I'm, I pretty much concur with that. Yeah, I think I think he's only gone because it's necessary from the higher ups to give him a easy way out. But um I do think it's the the wrong decision really, because I echo what you said. What he's done to Ferrari is bring them through a difficult patch that wasn't of his making, um, that he realistically inherited when you look at all the twenty nineteen engine stuff, which is when he started, that was all already in progress. And that then obviously holds hampered 2020 and 2021 with the car um and the way they've came come through that was rebuilt that to a pretty staggering third in 2021 and to being way ahead of expectations for 2022 and you know if you're being incredibly charitable to ferrari and bonotto in that front it's he's been he's been dumped because he did too well at the beginning of the year um in that it set expectations incredibly differently for the remainder of the year. I think when you look at uh, Bonotto's strengths, you look at when he was technical director and of of Ferrari from sort of late 2015, early 2016, going through to 
2018, where that um, when they had the regulation change there, that car realistically dictated the the um, the aerodynamic progress of the of the majority of the grid for the next couple of seasons based on the creativity and culture that Bonotto instilled into that design officer Marinello um, rather than instilling a sort of heads will roll attitude that there had been before because in 2014 there were um, three team principals so um, there was very much a scare culture that Bonotto did a fantastic job when he got into the top technical role to, to get rid of and to to change over which is why he was given the big job which makes sense on the face of it but i think like you say um he was probably appointed one position too high for where he was perfect and that's let's this then play out you could make a case for him being a bit too nice as well because he creates this kind of brilliant culture where people aren't afraid to you know push and make mistakes and things like that um but then they're not learning from the mistakes and so on and you can have a no-blame culture, which is what he's tried to instill, but also have a sort of a relationship with the problem um, rather than and rather than completely ignoring it. And I think that's the only thing you could really look at. And I do think that does need to change, but I don't think that's... Um, I think it's really difficult to sort of say that kicking out Bonotto will change that for the better in any way. I think either it keeps it the same or changes it for the worse. And I think... I think I don't really know who can come in. We'll get on to who will replace him, but I don't think I know anyone who can come in who can refine anything in Ferrari in a way that Bonotto kind of could. I, I think kind of on your point of him being too nice, I do. I think maybe the way he handled things, or you know, I do think maybe he was a bit too kind of optimistic rather than realistic in you know, especially um, I think it was after Hungary. Then you know, he said there's not a problem with our strategy when you know they're very clearly was problems there so I think maybe the way he went about handling some of Ferrari's problems could have been improved and I don't know how much of a factor that played into his um you know eventual exit but yeah you know I think again they were sixth in 2020 in the constructional championship and a lot closer to seventh than fifth so to come back to finishing second um and you know winning races was was very impressive and yeah I you know I hope I hope that mm. he can find somewhere where you know he is able to get on with what he does best and you know his talents are appreciated and that you know because i do think he has a lot to contribute to f1 in you know a role that suits his expertise well it's max of politics really that he was he was appointed by sergio marchioni and louis camilleri um who followed on from that and now um the two people those positions aren't there anymore and you've got John Elkin and I want to say Enrico Vente or something, I can't remember his name, but something like that, who are now very much the the talk is that they're not really behind Bonotto. They were never Bonotto's people. He was never their man. And he just didn't make the impression that he needed to late last year and early this year and has now just been shown the door. And that's just, you know, an annoying consequence of the way the Ferrari business has worked and the only sort of thing you can really think of then for a replacement which is where we'll, what we'll talk about now is that Bonotto was in his, just finished his 28th year at Ferrari he let, he started there after university he worked through 
under the Jean Tot era, all the way through the world championships. He is a world championship winning engineer, then, let's be honest. Um, but was he too entrenched in a Ferrari mess that, that frankly, it's the necessity is that someone external will do better? Or would you continue to appoint someone from inside in the way that you think? In the way that they did with Bonotto, where would you? What route would you go down for a successor, Adam? Because Ferrari don't have a game plan, and they've said early twenty twenty three, which is a long way from now. And the, the CEO of Ferrari is going to be taken over as an interim team principal. So this is not very very well done since. So what what's the sort of saving savior? Well, that's a very good question. I think um, I mean you know Vasseur's the obvious name. I just wouldn't have gone, I just wouldn't have replaced Binotto Fulver, so I think, you know, there's yes, he's probably more kind of savvy, um, a bit more savvy than Binotto. I think people are kind of overrating how well he's done, really, where Alfa Romeo, who's been one of the worst outfits on the grid for the past few years now, I think it's the only um, team not to have taken a podium or a pole position in the last three years or four years, so you know, it's not, they're not a kind of um, model of um, you know, David versus Goliath either. But I think, you know, he's he's the kind of most obvious name out there. Um so unless they kind of promote someone else from within who I don't know the kind of Ferrari setup well enough to know that. And you know, it's if Binotto wasn't was the guy um a few years ago, I don't know who else would have got into that role quickly enough. So yeah, I mean I'm saying the circus, I don't really know who else there is out there, to be honest. Yeah, Vasseur, I think, is, you know, he's got an obvious Leclerc connection. He's done very well with ART, with GP3, GP2, and and so on um, throughout his career. And, you know, if you look at that model of appointing someone who's done very well in the junior ranks into a Formula One team, it usually does go quite well. Um, and he, he's, had a, he's had a hard job to work with, with Alfa Romeo Sauber when he came in. And realistically he has lifted that team you could say because they're now they now finished sixth in the constructors as opposed to eighth seventh eighth ninth and um tenth i think nearly a tenth at one point and you know that team has had a lift but it's you know it's not a superb lift and it's been a really odd one um but they've they've sold that team to audi and things like that so if there's going to be a gap for someone to leave a team, it's Vasseur. Um, and his relationship with Charles Leclerc, like I said, is excellent. But I just, I don't see why you would go for it. Other candidates, perhaps you buy out Andreas Seidel. Perhaps you try and convince Ross Braun to come back to the fold, which I think is a, a never going to happen move. Um, perhaps you recruit internally and just hope for the best that the problems get solved, but you end up with the same kind of reason that you're getting rid of someone. You end up with yesterday's man. And I, I realistically think the best bet is to get someone ex- completely outside of Formula One because I think the best team principles who've come in in recent years have, have been allowed to sort of exercise a bit of freedom and have come from sort of big, old, big other organizations. Andreas Idle came from Porsche to mclaren and has really instilled a very good relationship and really solid happy team in mclaren mike crack has come from bmw to aston martin and i don't know if anyone's got a bad word to say about him operationally um he's got a good a good bit of 
good relationship with his higher ups and a good relationship with his team. So I don't know if there's anyone that Ferrari can turn to outside, but who outside Formula One that is to go for maybe someone who's been successful in lots of motorsport. I don't know. Alan McNish is the big Audi guy when you go to Alan McNish, but he's just a name I pulled out of thin air. Ian James, um, the McLaren Formula E guy who did so well with Mercedes when it was the Formula E team there. But these guys are so entrenched into their other teams that why would they take the Ferrari job? So I think the bigger, there's a big question in candidates, but there's a big question for candidates. Why take it? Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is how how much of an attractive proposition is it when you get, you know, such a potentially short leash as Binotto's got, um, you know, and, and that's coming in from, you know, a team that wasn't, that has improved competitiveness. Now, there's not that much further for them to go upwards, really. Um, so, you know, it's, it feels like the pressure will be on to get results straight away. And yeah, I, I don't, like, there's just not, there's not a big name out there that you'd expect, you know, them to pull in. So then it's kind of whether they bring someone else in, like you said, and you kind of have more of a knowledge of that than I do. But yeah, it's it's just not, there didn't seem to be anyone, any obvious, or, you know, there's the obvious in Vassar and then there's not really anyone else. And he's not, you know, the big name that you'd expect them to jump for. So, yeah, I think it's, again... He is the best name, really. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't think, yeah, like you said, I don't think, um, you know, maybe Andrea Sada will work, um, maybe not, but, you know, I don't think, I mean, to be honest, I don't bring up, think bringing back a Ross Braun who has just retired from F1, as um, a second retirement, <laughs> yeah, it is a good, it's you know, a, a silver bullet either. So, yeah, I think yeah. they are, I think they're in trouble to be honest in terms of you know who they bring in. Yeah, and it, it realistically is a watch this space moment for Ferrari, which is just such poor planning because they've gone from you know very realistically making a case for looking ahead at twenty twenty three and being in a good mode to to go and take that to take the fight to Rebel and and realistically take the fights to Mercedes looking at whether everyone was at the end of the season um and they were in moderate they've been really good in 2022 performance wise and 2023 they 2020 end of 2022 they, you could argue they were shaping in pretty okay ways with that strategy at Abu Dhabi so they can do it so they know they can do it they ended on a high at least um I'm being very generous here um but it's just, you know, work's just going to stop. It's going to be a whole December and most of January is going to be nothing, surely. So I just, the, do you think this, as I've probably just, this has now become a very loaded question. Do you think this marks um, a bit, how big a issue do you think this is for 2023 and beyond for Ferrari competitively? I think it's probably and beyond that's more of an issue. They'll have got a lot of their 2023 stuff done already. I mean, to be honest, maybe more the second half of 2023 onwards. Um, but it, I, I, I'm not going to kind of commit to anything because, you know, they could pull someone in, you know, like a side who can really help them turn it around. And I don't think it's, you know, the absolute death knell, but I think they do. It's, it's a really, it's the worst possible situation you can think of, really, to be going into 
um, the next few years where you should have a realistic shot of competing for the title and winning the title. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think it's still a very it depends question, but it's it's definitely, yeah, the the worst kind of possible planning you can have going into 2023. So, yeah, I think, it's, yeah, watch this space, but it's not ideal, is it? Not at all. We we don't see this anywhere else. Total Wolf's been at Mercedes for how long? Christian Horner's been at Rebel for even longer. So, and they've won every championship since 2010. And, well, 2009, really. Um, but that was Braun. Um, so, I just, there needs a bit of continuity. I, and we all, I, I really want it to work for Ferrari because it's, it's just, you know, they're a, they're not doing themselves any good. So let's hope they don't fall into the abyss after this and they can sort of stay where they have been and kind of maybe even improve. I mean, that, it, that would add, but um, I think even something like, you know, Alpine getting rid of Abitable and then getting Safnar in, like, you know, it's there was a plan there, there's a continuity there. Whereas this is just. Even even the um the the car crash that has been Alpine management whether for as the Renault Works team for being a beatable for being Bukowski being uh, Fred Vasseur um as well at the same time for and then being Safnau but also Laurent Rossi and you know I think Alpine to be honest is the is the team that proves that you shouldn't really have too much meddling from the board because you lose your star driver called Fernando Alonso because they were just messing around and meddling. So and that's worked a bit because Otmar Safnau has now gained a bit more autonomy in that team, and Laurent Rossi has taken a step back because he's a he's a he's a boardroom man. He's not an F one man, and what we've got in Ferrari is boardroom men, not F one men, dictating F one to someone who's been in F one for best part of thirty years. So it's, I yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I tend to sort of lean to the, um, the experienced hand in these kind of things and the F one hand, but. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We we we've postured long enough on on Ferrari this year. Um, it's it, it probably would have been very interesting to see where Nigel's Nigel's landed on this because, um, he 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 has very much called for jobs of people in the past, and I think you and I are a bit more kind of a heads will roll attitude. Doesn't really work for anyone. So it would be interesting to have him in this conversation. But I'm sure we'll get Nigel's points of view. <laughs> when we declare Charles Leclerc as the second best driver of, of 2022 um, yeah. in our season review, um, yeah, we, which um, will come up in December. Yeah, it was interesting. Me, me and Nigel spoke about this um, a few weeks ago, and we kind of, me and him both came at it from similar points of view, but both kind of came to a different end result where I said keep Binotto for, you know, what he's got, particularly his technical expertise, and Nigel mm. came at it from point of view of, you know, he's not, you can't win the championship if you've got him at the top so we kind of came at it with similar logic but he yeah he was one who thought that Vassar should come in so yeah see if he's changed his mind when we uh, talk about it next yeah be interesting to see so Nigel wherever you are I think I said you're in Whitby so enjoy your scampi and everyone else listening to this podcast also enjoy your scampi um buy some scampi get some scampi scampi's amazing scampi's the best um it's my fish and chip shop order sometimes um but anyway uh, we'll be back with a, a sort of season reviewy kind of thing coming up later. Don't worry, we won't. We probably won't list every race and go, hmm, seven out of ten because that would be dull. And um, we already we'll did that do... for two thirds of the races in the summer. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Um, we might try and do something a bit more exciting. Who knows? Maybe we'll make Nigel spin a wheel or something. Um, if you want to see that, leave suggestions for what goes on the wheel in the comment section of the YouTube video or tweet us at F one or tweet Nigel at Nigel C. Giorno, um, and tell him what you want him to do. Because if we can make this a thing, we can really, you know, we can really hammer it home how... I don't know um, how much we get him to do weird things and how we can make him do even weirder things. So get behind this. Adam, say goodbye to the people at home. Goodbye to... The, I mean, I am at home, so if, if Kate or Katie or Harry are listening, then you, you don't need me to say this. But to everyone else who is not at <laughs> home, but not my home, goodbye. Goodbye. Wait. Of all the things to miss... um. Let's go. Oh, no, I just didn't press record. Um, all right.